The WSB 24-hour breaking news center is on alert. Alert. Immediate breaking news, severe weather alerts, traffic red alerts from Cobb to Cherokee, Carroll to Gwinnett, Fulton to Forsyth, and all the rest. All the rest. WSB. WSB. Depend on it. This is your host, Herman Kane. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth, give you the facts, because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Kane and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Herman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Iran, Iran, Iran. Clarify something, first of all. Yes, sir. What is this congressional up or down vote? And secondly, are only 34 senators required to vote yes in order for it to be uh, an upvote? How did that come about? Well, remember, uh, earlier this year, the Congress passed what's called the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act, and that gave the Congress the power to force its way in here. Because remember, this is not a treaty. It is what is known as an executive agreement. Since World War II, more and more presidents have opted against formal treaties, which are supposed to be ratified by a two-thirds majority of the Senate, and instead doing executive agreements. The one thing about an executive agreement is it doesn't need the ratification of the Congress but it can be torn up by the next administration. So that's why earlier this week when I was outside Milwaukee for the announcement by Scott Walker, he said, you know, on his first day, he'd tear up that agreement and, and, and move back to economic sanctions against Iran. So even though this agreement is going to be given the high sign and thumbs up by this president, it doesn't have to stay in, uh, uh, you know, in force if a Republican were to take over in the 2016 election. So the way they set up this uh, this law is this. Lawmakers will get 60-plus days to review the details. We still don't have all the details. If you hear people saying that they have them, that's just flat-out wrong. The White House has not released all the details yet of this agreement. We expect to get those maybe by the end of the week. Then uh, sometime there'll be hearings. Sometime after Labor Day, there'll be votes in both the House and Senate to approve what's known as a resolution of disapproval. So they would disapprove of the Iran nuclear agreement. That would then be vetoed by the president, and he made it very clear yesterday that's exactly what he's going to do. And so, therefore, to override that veto and reject the deal, you would need 67 senators to vote for that uh, override and 290 members of the House to vote for it. So, in that sense, yes, you could have just 34 senators in favor of it, and the deal would be preserved simply because of the way this is set up. Oh, I see. Sort of a back, sort of a... Uh, okay. That's where the 34 comes from. Exactly. Uh, I see. And, and again, it's not a vote straight up or down on the issue. It's on a resolution to disapprove of the executive agreement. Because theoretically and legitimately, uh, this administration did not have to submit this for congressional review and ratification. I know uh, everybody tells me it's a treaty. You know what? Yeah, there's a, I was reading a study by some, someone the other day. The number of treaties, we just don't do that as much anymore. Uh, Republicans and Democrats have moved away from them toward these executive agreements instead, and that's what this is being classified as. Now, let me make sure I got this part right. They can vote yes, they support it, or no, they support it. And if they vote no, we don't support it, then the president can veto it, and then he would need the... Six to seven votes in the Senate to override. 
Well, it's a resolution of disapproval. So a yes vote would be you disapprove, you want to reject the Iran deal. A no vote actually would be to preserve it, would be that you're okay with it. So then the president would veto it. You'd have to override his veto. And you would need 67 in the Senate and 290 if everybody votes in the House. Those are mammoth numbers. I could certainly see Democrats, enough Democrats joining with Republicans to get 62 or 63 maybe. I could see enough Democrats joining with Republicans to get 260, 270. I don't know. Getting to two-thirds, I think the, the deck is stacked against the GOP on this one. Which, if it passes the house, but it has to pass both houses, right? Yeah, they'll be able to get okay. it through. There'll be, there'll be a clear majority. I mean, every, I would bet every Republican votes to disapprove. Remember, it's not a vote straight up or down on the deal. We're not voting directly on the deal. We're voting on a resolution of disapproval. So voting to disapprove it, uh, I think there's more than enough votes, uh, all the Republicans and some Democrats, to do that. But there's not a two-thirds supermajority. See, that's what's confusing people. Here we go again with the way they do things in Washington, D.C. They're voting on a resolution of disapproval. That's confusing still to me. Well, it's not, I guess, if you've been around here long enough. There's nothing to be confused by. They need to, uh, they need to have basically 67 people in the Senate who don't like the deal and 290 in the House. Those are the only numbers to worry about. Who don't like the deal. And if you get that many who do not like the deal, then it is... Uh, you could override the president's veto of that uh, resolution of disapproval, yes. What's your estimate as to whether or not this thing is going to stand or not? Oh, I, I think, again, I think the deck is stacked against the Republicans on this simply because it is an executive agreement. I think uh, uh, that they certainly can get over 60 votes in the Senate against this deal. They certainly can get well over 250, 260 in the House against this deal. There are Democrats who don't like some of the things they're hearing. But I think it was pretty important yesterday, actually, when Hillary Clinton was here, that at first she sort of gave it her, she gave sort of a backhanded endorsement to it, and then later in the day fully embraced it. And I think for the Democrats that's very, very important because she's going to stand with the Obama administration and with uh, John Kerry and others in favor of this deal. Now, are there chances that something you know might come out in the details that really inflames this? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do think there is. But uh, the, the full-court press by the administration has already started. We had Vice President Biden up here this morning meeting behind closed doors with House Democrats going over the deal. I think they're going to lean on an awful lot of people to stick with the president. And frankly, it's a very political issue. And so I, I would be amazed if more than a handful of Democrats broke ranks on this. There will be some. Uh, but I would bet that they'll look at the opposition of the Republican Party and decide to stand with the president on it. A resolution of disapproval. So if they say yes, that means that they disapprove it. You are correct. Okay. And if you get, you would need 67 yeses to override the president's veto. You are correct. And you'd need All 67 right. in right. the Senate and 290 if everybody votes in the House. Sorry I'm a little slow, but all of this resolution of disapproval and the number of no's and the number of yeses you need was confusing to me. I know it was confusing to some of the listeners. That makes a lot more sense uh, in terms of you need the six or seven yeses of, on the disapproval in order for it to have for it to be overridden. And, and again, saying, I know people yeah. are saying, uh, I heard people say yesterday, well, you know, this is ridiculous. The Republicans screwed this up. They should have never allowed this to happen. You know what? This administration did not have to submit this for congressional review at all. 
They didn't have to do anything like that. This was forced upon them by the Republicans and by a number of Democrats that wanted to ensure that there would be some sort of congressional review of this agreement. Again, this is an executive agreement. It's not a treaty. And so you don't have to bring it before the Congress if you don't want to. But there was enough opposition and worry amongst Republicans and, frankly, amongst Democrats that they were able to push this uh, bill through earlier this year. It's known officially as the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act of 2015. And a new Republican president can tear it up. Yes, that's what I understand. It's an executive agreement, so... They could come in and say, you know what, that was the last administration. If you want to do something lasting with us, then you'd have to do an actual treaty and have that approved by the Senate. Okay. Janet Yellen, Fed Chair, did she say anything of substance yet? Um, You know, I I think that uh, uh, acknowledging there's been some mixed signals uh, from the economy after another bad winter, Uh, the Fed Chair told lawmakers today she still believes that things are going in the right direction. Yellen did say, Herman, that if economic growth is strong enough in the next, uh, you know, really the next six months, then that may bring an, uh, an increase in interest rates. But she acknowledged that there are still some sluggish economic signs out there. For example, still a lot of people on the sidelines in the, in the labor force who would like to find a job but just haven't been successful, and a lot of people still working in a part-time job, even though they'd like a full-time job. So that, that hearing, uh, her part of her mid-year economic outlook being delivered to the Congress today. Well, the White House said that they are lowering their expectations for economic growth for the rest of the year, so the winds are moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, she she said that there are some headwinds out there, but still feels like there will be more moderate growth, and moderate has been the buzzword now for about the last four years in terms of growth. We've never been able to find that. Uh, it, it's almost like driving your car only in third gear, Herman and never really able to get onto the highway and put it in fourth or fifth with that stick shift and really get things going. And that's why job growth, while it's been good, averaging over 200,000 jobs a month, a lot of economists really believe you've got to get over 300,000 and really into that 350,000 area each month on average to then get a lot of people off the sidelines and get them back in that labor market and really drive the U.S. economy forward. Well, I would agree. It needs to be up around 350. The other headwind is running up against it in another report is that consumers aren't spending uh, well, she did say, actually, on that, let me grab my notes here. Uh, she did say today that uh, there was a pickup in spending by consumers in both May and June, and she said that, that she thinks that that portends a better future ahead. Okay. One thing from the 2016, uh, a little nugget I wanted to give you from the trail to show you that it's all not all uh, fantastic stuff. Last night, uh, Scott Walker had been in Nevada yesterday, Herman, yep. and was going to uh, Charleston, South Carolina for an event this morning. He missed, he and his staff missed their connection in Memphis last night by just a few minutes, ended up flying as far as your local airport there in Atlanta at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, where they arrived at 2.30 in the morning, rented a car, and started driving to Charleston, and I guess they stopped uh, maybe at a Waffle House, supposedly, in Aiken, South Carolina, along the way at about 5 this morning, and we're trying to get to the event, but probably going to be a little late getting to Charleston. So it's not all private jets and uh, people wait on, waiting on you hand and foot. I know. Right now, most of these guys still <laughs> flying commercial. I know. I've been down that road, okay? You, you're not on private jets where you don't have to worry about that, right? You know, all the while you go through the whole thing. Uh, 
Chris Christie was quoted as saying he's he's done talking about Donald Trump. Do you think so? Uh, I think he may think he's done talking about Donald Trump. I'm not sure he's going to be done, especially since there's a new poll out that shows Trump ahead nationally in the GOP field. Uh, I would think, though, that uh, at some point, if Christie wants to jump up in this race, he's going to have to take on Trump and take him on directly. Jeb Bush doing a little of that yesterday, and you know that may be what we're in for over the next few weeks before the first Republican debate. It'll be interesting. Thanks a lot, Jamie. All right, see you, Herman. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. The, the experience and results you trust. Herman Cain. He just has a good message and good conservative point of view. Solutions for a better America. Coming up, rapid fire at 877-310-2100. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.